Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Um, well, we wanted to start with some housekeeping. Yes, some updates for you listeners. Yeah, last week's episode we mentioned our bonus episode with Hannah's sister, Rachel, Mm -hmm. and that went really well. Um, so we did make some adjustments to our Patreon. So if you've visited our Patreon before and looked at it, we're just gonna lay out what's different. So for $3 a month, you get a shout out on the podcast and a You Might Hate This Book sticker. They're pretty rad. They're designed by me, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Um, For $5 a month, which is the one that we want to highlight, we thought that's reasonable. You get a shout-out, a sticker, and this is where you get bonus content. So once a month we'll have a guest episode, like our episode with Rachel, um, and once a month we'll do a topical episode. Yes. And so this month we're going to be talking about children's books and some banned children's books even. Um, So if you want access to monthly guest episodes and monthly topical episodes, those are available for our $5 a month Patreon tier. For $10 a month, you get to pick a book that we have to do. For a regular episode. Yeah, for a regular episode, not a bonus episode. Mm -hmm. So whatever book you pick, we just have to do it. It gives you power. It does. And some of our friends that have been listening have noted, oh, I know a book I think you would both hate. So Yeah, you, know, you can make us read it. You can target both of us. You can target just one of us. It's, <laughs> it's a free-for-all. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll know when they're like, this one's clearly we'll going probably, after Hannah. Yeah, we'll probably be able to tell. <laughs> yeah. And for $20 a month, in case any of you are super even, wealthy. I didn't know we had that tier. <laughs> I mean, it exists just... To say that it exists. I don't know anybody. You have aspirational things. If Bill Gates is listening to this podcast and wants to give us $20 a month, um, we'll mail you one of the books from one of our episodes. One of your choice. So, thanks, Bill. Yeah. We're not expecting... I'm sure you're listening. Yeah, we're not expecting... Stephen King. If Stephen King is listening, you have money, right, from all those books I don't like? Lane Fargo, maybe? maybe. Yeah. (laughs) We'll send you her book. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not expecting anyone to do that. But nope. but we would like to reach more listeners, and um, your support can help us do that. So. Yeah, we would maybe be able to get a website and get some other stuff to help us reach more listeners. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to take the time to have those guest episodes and do the topical episodes, we want as many people as possible to actually get to hear those. Yes, for sure. And our guests are going to be our friends, which is probably a lot of your friends, <laughs> <laughs> listener. At least to start out with. Yeah. Anyway, check that out. Yeah, check out our Patreon. What's the website? Patreon.com slash hate this book pod. I have a very important question for you, Hannah. I love your questions. <laughs> yes. If you wanted to disappear and start over, oh. where would you go? Uh, like, like start a new life? Yeah. Like you're changing your name, you're leaving it all behind. In this world, you don't have two sons and a husband that you love, and of course right. me. Right, like, my best friend. I don't know your reasons, but you have them. Where would I go? Perhaps Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh. That's a lovely city. I've traveled a lot in Europe, and my husband and I have both said, but he's not going with me, so. I have said um, that <laughs> if I were to relocate somewhere overseas, that'd be where I'd want to go. Okay, there's, any particular reason? I just love Edinburgh. I love the feel of the city. Um, there's a big theater festival there every year. It's also a large city. I, I also thought about like New York or something, because I've said to myself, previously and if I had my career to do over again I'd be like a copy editor Mm -hmm. I know that sounds real real boring but (laughs) not to all the copy um, editors out there you know get into publishing in that regard yeah on the writing scene like like, just get like a New York walk up and a bunch of cats yeah but I don't want to go to New York like right so like that kind of scene where that's available to me but not 
not New York. Sure. So another larger city, Toronto. Yeah. Would be another you option. Can, well, you're not going to be my friend in this life, I but know. you could be my friend from Canada. <laughs> but so yeah, I think uh, that's my gut answer. Okay. Currently. Well, that's where I'll check if you ever <laughs> if ever disappear. If ever you go away, I will check. Where it. would you go? Oh, that I didn't expect you to ask me. Oh, <laughs> um, you should. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've always said that my widow plan, mm. and this is before I had a child, right. so it was just if I lost my husband, I would hike the Appalachian Trail. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to be in a city. Like, I would do the exact opposite. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would, I would like join a commune. I would get like a country house in the wilderness and maybe allow other people who want to raise chickens to be nearby. Right, but you don't want to raise the chickens. Oh, no. Okay, that's fair. Mm -hmm. I did plant a garden today, though. Really? And by plant a garden, I mean that we have a flower box that we built, and I put flowers in it. And so hopefully I keep them alive. I'm practicing for my commune days. That's good. I will never be able to keep anything green alive. I'm not going to milk a cat. Like, (laughs) if you're interested in household chores, you can join my commune. (laughs) I will help with, like, making jam, but I'm not going to milk a cow. I'm not going to butcher any meat. I'm not sure I'm actually going to be very good. At That's okay. It's the thought that counts. Yeah. <laughs> so, does this relate to our book at all? Yeah. Does it? Disappearing. And oh, right. Sure. I. The correct book. Yes. The cor- I know. If, uh, if we're talking about... It's a tough week. Uh, yeah. If we're talking about Leaving Time by Jody Picoult, which is what we're talking about, then yes, yes the question is relevant. So, that's the book that we <laughs> yep. read this week, and I have a summary. Give it. When Jenna Metcalf was three years old, her mother, Alice, an elephant researcher, disappeared under mysterious circumstances in the wake of a tragic accident at the elephant sanctuary. Jenna doesn't believe her mother would abandon her or that her mother is dead, so Jenna needs to find her. And in order to do that, she pours through Alice's journals of her time studying elephants, and she finds two unlikely partners to help her with this endeavor of finding her long-lost mother. Yes. Serenity Jones, a psychic who used to help police find missing persons and has since been... Uh, disgraced? Disgraced. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for. Um, she reminded me of Miss Cleo. Yes. <laughs> and Virgil Stanhope, a jaded ex-private detective. And so this trio... Search for Jenna's mother, and the story dovetails with stories from Alice's elephant research journals, leading to what I found to be a very surprising conclusion. Yes, it does. Uh, we'll go ahead and say up front, this book has a twist ending. I don't feel like I'm going to need to say the twist. We can. I think we can avoid it. I think we can, but just know that there is a twist mm-hmm. to this book. We'll reference that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that you gave it a solid... This is pancakes. A solid three. You are exactly correct. Yeah. <laughs> yep, you hit it. We've reached this point. I feel like I feel like we got out of the way some of those books that we both just like hated and now yeah. we're just like kinda sailing along. This is a book. Y- yes. <laughs> I put three stars. It was exactly fine. <laughs> Um, so you want me to just... Yeah, tell me why so, this book was exactly fine and not remarkable. I took a few notes, um, like, before I read and before I'd finished reading. I knew nothing about this book before starting it. Yeah. Nothing at all. I had never heard of it. I had, of course, heard of the author, Jodi Picoult, and I felt about her about the same as I feel about Nora Roberts or John Grisham. Like, yeah. she has lots of books, and I tended to avoid them. My only experience with her prior to this book was going to our on-campus theater when we were college students and seeing that movie, My Sister's Keeper. Oh. I did not go with my own free will. I was going to say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of our friends were going. Anyway, it was not a movie Hannah would have chosen, um, and I did not enjoy the experience. I wouldn't think so. It was sappy, overwrought. Uh, felt a little emotionally manipulative to me. I was like, ah, I don't need dead cancer kids. And it also had that weird trope of like, this teenager is dying. We must make sure she has sex before dying so that her <laughs> life was worth it. I hate that. Anyway, when I saw this on our list, I was like, ugh. Right. <laughs> I didn't hate it as much as I thought because it was not quite like that. When I started it, it was just fine. There were these like two different narratives from Jenna and Alice's perspectives and... It was not, like, gripping, but it was fine. It took me an embarrassing, lo- an embarrassingly long time to realize 
they were mother daughter. <laughs> I think I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Um, but so I was just like trucking along, and when the third point of view, which is Serenities, was introduced, mm-hmm. that really took me off guard because mm. it doesn't start with all three from the very beginning. Yeah, it's first it's just Jenna and Alice, Jenna and Alice, and then you've got Serenity, who is a psychic. Yeah, and an earnest psychic. Like it is not, it is not you know made fun of at least by hers, especially in the chapters from her point of view. And so that that took me aback, and I was like, okay. There's a there's a third point of view and there's a supernatural element. Was not expecting any of this. And then we got a fourth point of view. Virgil. A man. A grumpy man. <laughs> it was by this point I was like, where's this book going? <laughs> What's happening? Halfway through, I started losing interest. Mainly because I found Alice's chapters really boring. No! Yeah. She all the elephant stuff, like, it was fine for a little bit, but the mystery was mildly intriguing. I started losing interest with Alice and her elephants and her story as it starts to unravel and it becomes clear, um, I am going to spoil this, I guess, that she was having an affair. That just seemed kind of like, oh, okay, same old, same old. Like, yeah. So that kind of made me lose interest. By the time I finished the book, I felt that it was mostly interesting. The characters were, for the most part, interesting. The plot contained a decent twist that I saw half of coming. Okay. I saw it coming for one character and not the other, mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm being needlessly cryptic, but I don't want to get it. I get what you're saying. Away. Yeah, you'll get it. And if you've read it, listeners, you'll you'll get it. The writing was serviceable. It was not terrible enough to be noticed. It was also not really good enough to be noted either, but it was it was fine. It was an easy read. Um, I flipped back and forth between the audio mm-hmm. and the ebook on my Kindle. Um, and I liked the supernatural element. I was wondering if that would be, like, the thing that you really hated or if you'd be okay with that. No, even though it took me off guard and I was like, oh, like, I've been reading these naturalist chapters about elephants. And then I was like, oh, psychic. Yep. And, like, she's a real psychic. It does not, you know, the book wants you to believe, yes, she's a real psychic. She has these two spirit guides. What are their names? Desmond? Desmond and, uh, oh, man. Lucille, Lucille, maybe. I had a Spanish teacher in high school. And she also had a spirit guide. Really? She told us about, he was a, um, I can't remember if he was actually a leprechaun or just Irish, and his name was Finnegan. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. High school's a fun time. I feel like I don't <laughs> believe you're a high school teacher, but the, it, that, in the world of this book, Serenity is a real psychic. Yes. Whether and, or not you believe that in real life, whatever, but in the book, it's true. I think she was my favorite character. I liked her a lot. I really liked her, um... She was really just honest with herself, like the way she became disgraced, how she kind of lost her power because she lost those spirit guides. And now she's just trying to make it as what she calls a swamp Swamp witch, witch. (laughs) which is, you know, a fake psychic that can read people. Yeah. You know, which is a skill. So I liked her. I liked when it came to her. Um, Those were my pros. You know, it was interesting enough to keep me going. It didn't feel like a slog. Yeah. The writing was, you know, easy to read. My cons. I have three. One, I'm going to go ahead and mention, because I already mentioned it, I got bored with Alice. As a character, she was fine, although she confused me. Like, she seems to be, she's this naturalist, she was doing postdoctoral work in this elephant, what do you call it, like, reserve in Africa. reserve, yeah. Um, And she's clearly, like, this very independent, smart, driven woman, and then she just meets this guy who comes to visit the reserve and has a one-night stand with him and then decides, I'm going to go be with him in the U.S. at his sanctuary. I didn't get that. Why would she just all of a sudden, like, they didn't have enough of a foundation for me to buy. At first she left and went over to be with him. And then when he turns out to be not the greatest, she deals with his crap for so long. Yeah. And I'm like, why? why? Girl, you seem... Like, you are not the type of person to do this. And I know abusive situations, like, can escalate and you feel like you're trapped. But, again, they weren't together but a year I guess or two. I mean, she disappears two. when her daughter's three. three. So I just didn't understand her. Like, why are you sticking it? Yeah. Why did you stay, like, stay <clears throat> all your research on relocating for this guy? Why did you stay with him when he was, you know, up to no good? I don't know. And then she very quickly jumps into another relationship, which I didn't get. And by the end of the book, I felt like the book wanted me to believe that she was this fierce mother above all else. And that she felt guilty for her relationships, like her love interests. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I definitely think that the book 
wanted to paint her as a fierce mother above mm-hmm. all else. I'm I didn't pick up on the fact that she felt guilty for her relationships. It's been a long time since I at read least it, at least her affair during sure. during the marriage. She was very guilty, and like when they get caught, she's so contrite. And I don't think they really pick back up with each other after that. So it just there was a lot of things about her. Like I couldn't fit her jigsaw puzzle of a character together. Like if you were that guilty about your relationship with this man, why did you endanger your daughter? In service of that relationship, I, a lot of her motivations were unclear to me because most of her chapters were just about elephants. <laughs> if I never read the phrase, they secreted from their temporal glands ever again. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know that means that the, that the elephants were crying. <laughs> But, like, just say that. I know that's not really what they're doing. You can explain it once. And then just, just say that they're crying. It's fine. Um, it's tough to justify the use of the word secrete. I, yeah. Every time. It's tough. Glands. Like, look, I'm not into naturalist things. I'm not going to read out of Africa. So it just didn't interest me. That's a personal preference. Not so much a ding on the book. If you like naturalist books, you will probably very much like the elephant plot of the book. I guess. This is so heartbreaking for me because I thought there was no, like, I was talking to Jennifer today and she said she was reading this book Uh in preparation for the episode and she was like, this book is making me love elephants. And I said, it would be impossible to read this book and not make it love, make, not have it make you love elephants. I did not like the elephants. I think I just got annoyed with Alice. Like, it just felt like it was in the way of getting to know her character. Okay. And that... The elephants were cool as characters, and it was interesting to find some things out about them, even though it's not my thing. So that gets me to my second con, is, like, I just wanted this book to pick a lane. Are you a a book about naturalism and helping us understand these things about elephants, or are you a mystery, or are you a ghost story? What's happening? There was just too much happening in the plot for me to, like, really feel like I was invested in one or the other. And because perhaps that I'm least likely to invest in the elephant plot, it just felt in the way of the other ones too. Yeah. I think that, you know, pick a lane kind of sense is what made this feel like a pop novel to me. Like, like a, oh, Jodie Picoult who's written a bunch of novels. Because Mm. I feel like from the afterward that was included in the book that was specifically about elephants and what was real and what was not, it felt to me like that was the most important part of this book to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Like, you want to write a book about elephants and bringing those situations to light, that's great. But because she has the status as a popular novelist who turns out all these novels, I felt like she was shoehorning all this other stuff in to make it marketable with mm-hmm. all the rest of them. And it and it just took away from all of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Would you call this women's fiction? Is that what... I hate that that is considered a genre, but I think that that's probably what this is. What define that genre? It's just general fiction that's mo- that has a female protagonist and is mostly directed at women. There's no such thing as men's fiction. That's just fiction. Right. Sure. Yeah. Because this isn't a romance. This isn't a, I don't know, anything else that's typical of women. It's just general fiction. And it's hard to call it contemporary fiction because that's like devoid of genre. And this has that supernatural element in there. Yeah, it's... It's genre-less or genre-bendy fiction that it's is hard pointedly to, for women. It's hard to define. I guess if that's the best option. Yeah, I guess. Again, I just hate that that's even a category. Yeah. It, fiction is fiction. Like, can men really not read a book about a woman without being like, it's a girl book? Well, and one of the four points of view is a man. Yeah. There are men, I think, that would probably enjoy this book. I don't know. That's weird. Do men read Jodie Picoult? I would love to hear from a man who's read Jodie Picoult. That's a good question. I Yeah, I'm now very interested in mm. that. If you're a man who's read Jodie Picoult, or would, yeah. raise your hand if you would. I've read several, and I can recommend some. Yeah, that the, the, other, the only other con I had is that, which I guess kind of goes with the previous one, is that the plot felt clunky to me and then underdeveloped because it was doing all these things mm-hmm. at once. There were a lot of time jumps that like didn't feel necessary or didn't get explained um, to me. And I suppose if you know the twist, you could perhaps use that to justify the time jumps, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, the twist was not explained well enough for really? me. Like I... 
when you come to a twist in a movie or a book, it should make suddenly all the things clear. Like, oh, so that's why this and then this and then this. And you start connecting the dots and it's just this like trickle down effect. But for me, for this book, it made me go, wait, what? See, I had that moment. I had that moment where I was like, now it's all so clear. I think the fact that the twist applied to so many characters is what kind of drew me out of it. I was like, wait, so who was what? Okay. And I had to like do some mental gymnastics to figure out. Yeah. Well, why in this situation? Oh, well, it's because of that. And sorry if you don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, Go read the book. We're really trying to not spoil the big twist. And there were a lot of there were a lot of one star Goodreads reviews that were not fans of the twist itself. <laughs> I was fine with it, like the rest of the book, it was fine. But there were a lot of them that pointed to one particular famous movie and were like, "It's already been done." Johnny. Oh, I'm sure you know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you go look at the one star reviews, you'll see it in the first few, I'm sure. Uh, so yeah. Okay, we're we're not allowed to do magical schools anymore. Cause... Uh, yeah, because Harry Potter already yeah. did that. I think that's a dumb reason. Yeah. I digress. Um, there was one scene that was really weird to me where things kind of went off the rails. I'll, I'll see if you remember this scene. It's when Serenity and Virgil go to, first of all, they go to Brentwood, Tennessee. Yeah. To this really ramshackle house. <laughs> and... I'm sure there are ramshackle houses in Brentwood. But it is not known for its ramshackle. No, we live mere hours away from... It's known for, like, housing Carrie Underwood and yeah, people of the like. It's a nice place to be. So I don't know if Jody just picked a place on the map that was near Nashville and was like, hey... Yeah, Brentwood, that sounds janky. It's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, again, I'm sure there are ramshackle houses there, but that was weird. But they go to this house and they meet with this old woman and... She's blind, and then the house starts crying. I don't know how else to explain it. Do you remember what I'm talking about? There's, like, this moment where she realizes they're lying to her, and the house, like, all this water starts coming out of the house and down the walls, and then Serenity and Virgil run out of there, and that's the end of that chapter. And then you come back to it later, like we have an interlude with Jenna, I think, and you come back later, and Serenity's like, well, it was clearly a water poltergeist. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I know that we've been dealing with a psychic this whole time, but that still felt really like, whoa? I don't have any recollection of that That scene at all. was weird. <laughs> you can read Murakami. Let her have her water poltergeist. It was, when she explained it, and I didn't know this about poltergeist, she explains like the difference between a spirit and a ghost and a poltergeist. And she explains that poltergeists attach themselves to elements, Mm. like water or fire. And it typically has something to do with how they died. And so the fact that this one was water made a lot of sense in the book because Mm -hmm. one of the characters in the book drowns. So you're like, okay, this makes sense. And it was, you know, I'm cool with weirdness, but it just like, even with all the psychic stuff, it just didn't go. And I was like, wait, what is happening? (laughs) Um... Anyway. Yeah, I have no memory of that I whatsoever. don't even know if that's a con for me. It was just something I noted. It just happened. <laughs> it was weird. Also, the house cried. <laughs> yeah, like, we have psychics. And don't forget, the crying house. <laughs> and also the crying elephants. They were secreting, technically. Yeah, from their temporal glands. <laughs> yeah. And it mentions uh, another place very near to us. I drive by it. Yeah, I drive by on a semi-regular basis. Hollenwald, yeah. Tennessee is in this book, which was pretty cool. Yeah, the elephant sanctuary there is apparently a real place. Yeah, did you know that? I already knew that. I mean, I I don't remember thinking one way or the other when I first read this book. It was eight years ago when I first read this book. So I don't remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't remember if I was like, oh, is it real or not? But today I was like, is it? I bet it is. It's real, and but it is. but like in the book, it doesn't market itself to tourists because yeah. it's a sanctuary for these yeah, older it's elephants. It's not a zoo. Yeah. The first time I still remember the very first time I heard of Hohenwald, Tennessee. Yeah. Was when I came to college and I think it was during our like freshman orientation activities and we were all saying where we were from and this one boy, I think his name was Michael. Um, but I remember somebody saying, Oh, I'm from Hohenwald, Tennessee, you know. Hole in the wall, Tennessee. Oh. <laughs> so now every time I see that on the side or I drive past it, I that's what I think. Like hole in the wall. Hole in the wall, Tennessee. 
because uh, it's not a big, it's not a big place. Nope. <laughs> that's that's what I've got. Cool. On this book, I'd love for you to fill in the gaps for me. I'm gonna try. Um, I realized. It's been a long I time. I just said eight years. I don't remember things I read eight years ago. Um, so this is one of my very first audiobooks. Like oh. I like got my audio audible subscription, and this was like within the first six books that I got. It's really, I really wish I would have kept one of these one star reviews. Now that I ended really? up deleting, it was specifically about the audio. Oh, <laughs> was it about Jenna's voice? No, it was about <laughs> Alice's. She said she thought Alice sounded slow and contrived and like she was stoned. <laughs> I mean, she might have been. We and, don't know. But the funniest thing about that review is it was like, I waited through 10 CDs for this. 10 CDs. <laughs> <laughs> audiobook on cd once upon a time but i was like oh that's so funny that was funny 10 (laughs) cds i listened to it on my phone audible Um, right yeah yeah i listened to it on the way back in the middle of the night from iowa because i had just been maid of honor slash photographer in jennifer's wedding and i had to be at work on monday and so she got married on a sunday and i had to be at work the next day, and so I drove home in the middle of the night and listened to this book. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have, like, distinct memories of parts of it? Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the reasons I really like this book is you mentioned this with my last book, No Staying Power. I think this book has staying power. It had more than I one. read it eight years ago, and I still think about it on the regular. Wow. Like, this book occurs to me all the time. Really? And I don't... I mean, in, in what way? I mean, if people mention elephants okay, or psychics yeah. or okay. whatever, and maybe if someone sings closing time, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it happens a lot that I think of this book. Okay. And that's pretty rare that and yeah. I still think about the twist and I still think about the elephant facts. I yeah, it just a, oh, comes okay. to the forefront of my mind a lot. For me, like that takes a lot if a book will just, like, hang with you that long. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's going to do that for everybody, but it takes a special book to stick with a person. I mean, and it has a lot going on, which can also, you know, certain parts of it might resonate with people. Yeah. And, and you hang on to those parts. I really liked the themes of memory and mm, grief, grief and motherhood. Mm-hmm. It does talk a lot about elephants and their memories, mm-hmm. the phrase elephants never forget and how that is pretty true oh yeah um and then people and their memories and how their memories work and you know that i'm doing like emdr therapy and that has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with memory and grief is such a special and i've always called it such like a human process right and then to realize that it's actually not a human process and that elephants Mm -hmm. grieve as well and i i get really interested in grief rituals especially like the grief ritual of Shiva. I really like that one because... And it's a this, Jewish ritual. Yes, and this is a Jewish uh, ritual. It encourages you to wallow. Yes, Which I it does. really love. I think that's really beautiful. Like, until the person is in the ground, you're not even allowed to offer comfort to the family. Mm-hmm. They are allowed to weep and do whatever, and you're not allowed to say, it's okay, it'll be fine, and like... Until they're even in the ground, you can offer no comfort. You're not supposed to take care of yourself. Yeah, they you, don't change You don't shave. You don't change clothes. Um, people prepare your food for you. You can't even sit high off the ground. You have to, like, literally put yourself low. Oh, wow. And so it encourages you to, like, lay on the ground in your tears mm-hmm. until such a time that Shiva is over. Mm-hmm. And then you stand up. I just think rituals like that are so beautiful yes. and meaningful. And then to realize, like... That rituals like that aren't even unique to no, not human even beings. To humans. Yeah. And there's a lot of discussion in this book about yes. elephant grief rituals that they essentially have funerals. They will bury bones. Yeah. And come back to them years later. Yeah. Um, and also it has a communal aspect to it, just like Shiva, like you're yeah. mentioning, you know, in order to do that, they have to have other people take care of them. And the elephant herds that Alice describes in the book do that same thing. Like if a mother is grieving her calf, eventually the her herd will come in and like bring her back to life, yeah. you know, otherwise it's very possible she could die. Yeah. Um, so. And that's, 
we're just touching on a lot of things that make me mm-hmm. weepy. Yeah. I love communal acts of reverence. Mm-hmm. It gets me teary. Yeah. I do not care about sports. I truly don't. Right. But I had to attend every football game in high school because I was in the marching band. And when a player gets injured and everyone is quiet, and that's for practicality so that the people on the field can hear themselves talking and they don't have to talk over a thousand people and a band and cheerleaders so that they can get the person the care that they need. And it's also reverence. Yeah, it's respect. Um, And the fact, like... We cannot agree on a single freaking thing in the world, <laughs> yeah. but everyone will just stop talking so that the people who need to tend to this person mm-hmm. can do their jobs. And I'm just like, guys, did you see how we all worked together there? And like, it just gets me. And when you pull over for funeral processions. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, so that everyone can get to mm-hmm. the burial site and no mm-hmm. one gets lost. These are people from out of town possibly and they don't mm-hmm. know where the cemetery is. And the last thing you want is to like not realize that you were supposed to turn right and people stop yeah. and pull over. It's nice. It's really heartwarming to No, me. it is to realize like we are a community. Those are those little yeah. moments when and we I, all know instinctively yeah. what to do. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be someone you know and it doesn't have to it's communal even without being all that close-knit yes communal is different than intimate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the character of serenity she was fun yeah it brought up some themes for me knowing what you know and not being able to do anything about it she mentions Mm. that a couple times of wanting to once she realized that she has when she realizes that she has this gift, what is her responsibility? Right. And some people do not want to be told what's going to happen before it happens to them. But, like, if you know someone's going to get hurt, do you say? Do you respect the fact that they don't want to know? And she grapples with this her whole life. She decides within herself that she always wants to try and use it to help people. Mm -hmm. And then she gets really caught up in fame. And she she lets that... She solves, like, a really high-profile case and gets a television show and gets very caught up in being a famous psychic. She goes on what I think was, like, a fictional Oprah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Yes, that was very clearly drawn. Yeah. Uh Um, And then she lets her own values of, I always wanted to use this to help people fall Mm -hmm. by the wayside and how that gift leaves her. I just thought that was an interesting character arc for her. Yes, because her big disgrace is she, like, tries to find this missing son of a senator mm-hmm. and she tells them she knows where he is but failed to mention because she was distracted that he was dead yeah so when they go to find him this poor mother and father's hoping he'll be alive and then she they find his remains instead yes and so that that reoccurs with her, with her relationship with Jenna like I don't want to give this girl false hope yeah. When I don't know. But, but then she, she still wants to help. Yeah, and she does still want to give her hope because she doesn't know. She's like, my gift has left me. I don't know if her mom's alive or not. So I'm just going to tell her what's going to give her hope, even though I don't know if it's true and, like, yeah. feels weird about that. So that was an interesting dynamic. And also, and I'm not going to speak on whether or not I think this is real in real life, but in the world of the book, it yes. is real that Serenity can do yes, this. Yes, very much. And so what is the efficacy of psychics and criminal investigations i don't know it just made me think of that of i don't know it just posed interesting interesting questions well and she points out to virgil because he's so skeptical of her. yeah he's an ex-cop i'm hard-boiled yeah (laughs) but she points out to him that like half of what i do is the same thing you do like noticing things patterns reading people picking up on clues she's like that's part of using your intuition your gut feeling she mentions all that to him and she's like what do you think that is (laughs) um I loved the elephant facts. And like, <laughs> I'm glad you did. I love it. And now I hate you. are like, if I never hear about this stuff ever again, if I wrote I have, down a bunch of it that I wanted to share. It is fine. I, I don't ever want to hear secrete from temporal glands again. I promise not the to. The other s- stuff is fine. <laughs> I promise not to say secrete. So they can live for 50 to 70 years in the wild. Mm. And I love their matriarchal dynamic. Yes. So they have a matriarch and they will travel in herds of females. Yes. Their herds are not like um, mixed gender herds. Yeah. So they travel in just 
two to ten females babies are all mothered which means that everyone in the herd mothers the children that was so cool. i thought that mm -hmm. was really beautiful older siblings will practice their parenting skills before they become moms there's like rituals for when a, a a cow, that's what a female yes, elephant is I, called, I believe so. is giving birth <laughs> when the males turn like a certain, when they turn 13, essentially, like, when, and they start getting sexually aggressive. They're just like, you can hang out over there. And they just <laughs> pick them out. And I was like, man, what a world. Like, <laughs> yep. I kind of, I kind of dig how elephants do it. <laughs> um, they're capable of communicating and learning and passing on information. The book, and this is real, mm -hmm. apparently, um, the book talks about two tribes in Kenya that interact with elephants regularly. One of them uses spears to hunt elephants and they wear red. And the other oh, yeah. does not hunt elephants. And elephants can distinguish uh, garments from mm -hmm. which of these tribes they become afraid of the color red. Mm -hmm. Like, And even if an elephant has never interacted with either of these tribes, they apparently know that. And so this book and other research hypothesizes that elephants have a way of passing on stories yes. of this is what you need to be aware of. So even if an elephant has never come in contact with these tribes, knows the difference between them. That's bananas. It's really cool. Like, what? Empathy. I'm an empath. Yes. And man, so elephants and empathy... One researcher noted how elephants flinched when another reached for, like, an electric fence. Mm -hmm. Just, the it's so human. They feel for each other. Yeah. yeah. And there's multiple, multiple reports of elephants helping free rhino babies that are caught in mud holes and other things, even though there's no evolutionary advantage to that. It's right. literally just, right. I'm helping you to be kind. Yep. Says the animal. The mothering instinct especially is it. I remember that coming through in the book. It's very strong. Because there was obviously a clear parallel between Alice, who's Jenna's mother, and the, yeah. the mother elephants. right? And they will stop if someone is sick, if mm -hmm. one of them falls. We just think of animals as, like, evolution, acts to keep self alive. Mm -hmm. but Biology. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's true, but right. these animals will go against biological instincts and sit vigil for their dead yeah. and return to places and stop for the sick. Um, relationships last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. At the Elephant Sanctuary in Hohenwald, Tennessee, an elephant named Jenny was was asleep when a new elephant arrived. And Jenny, the elephant had, had been there for a long time, woke up and started pounding at the, like, wall between their two, like, sleeping spaces. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what is going on? It turns out that... 22 years prior, they had both been part of the same circus for a very brief time, Aww. and they remembered each other. That's so sweet. And so when they were reunited, the older one, like, coddled the mm -hmm. younger one like a mother, even though they had been separated for a really long time. Oh, they remembered wow. each other. That's cool. Yeah. Elephants are cool. I'm a little scared around horses, so I feel like elephants might be <laughs> I intimidating. Mean, do you need a pet elephant? <laughs> no, but we can respect. No, like, they're very cool animals to learn about. Um, this book deals a lot with death and death yeah. rituals mm -hmm. and grief. I wouldn't think in a like very triggering way, but one of the themes is definitely death and grief. Yeah, and even some of the deaths that are more violent humans and elephants they're not like she doesn't viscerally describe yeah. them or anything it's like that it's not a that. graphic no no yeah. but we do hear a lot about human and animal grief rituals mm -hmm. um yes elephants will collect the bones of their dead if mm -hmm. for some reason those bones are like taken to a research facility or removed from where the elephant passed they will go and bring them back and collect them they have been seen burying people, mm -hmm. burying other other animals. They used this story in the book, but it's a real story, um, that an elephant that uh, nearly drowned in the Gainesville oh. flood mm -hmm. found a tire at the new yeah. sanctuary, and that was like its little security blanket. It like carried around this tire, and then it made a friend, and it stopped carrying around the tire because it had a friend. Right. But when that friend died, she put the tire on the friend's grave like a wreath. If that doesn't make you feel something, really I don't sweet. know how to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It, I did not like 
it, I didn't sign up to learn about elephants. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't. Uh, That's true. I had no idea that this book was about elephants because no. from the cover, it's not clear. Once you, once yes. you know, you can see you it. You can see the little tendrils looking yeah. like trunks. Yes. Yeah. But I was just like, I'll pick this book and we're doing a deep dive into elephants, apparently. Yep. It's not what I signed up for either, but I was on board with it. It kept me awake all through the night hey, while I was getting kept home. Kept you safe. Yeah. And like I said, it has really stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> sorry, I'm obviously sick. I'm having a tough okay. time with my voice. Whether or not you agreed to sign up for elephant knowledge, it did bring up some very important points about animals in captivity and yes. the issues of poaching. And yes. I was like, you know, I don't spend any time in my day thinking about these things, but that's good that yeah. to have it pointed out to you that you should learn something from literature yeah. and from reading. Yeah. It made me think more critically about how I live my life. And mm-hmm. I like a book that'll make you go like, are you making the choices that yeah. you want to be making? And yeah. And I'm, then I'm on board. I completely did not see the twist coming. Like one hundred percent did not see it coming. And then I did have that moment of, like, all the pieces fall into place. And I'm like, that's why at the beginning. ah." And maybe the fact that I saw part of it coming and I just Mm -hmm. didn't think broadly enough. Yeah. Maybe that's where my mental gymnastics came in because I thought I had one thing figured out, which I technically did. But then it was like I had to fit everything else into that. I don't know. And the more interested you are in something the more stuff like that impacts you. Right. I mean, right. you picked up things in uh, Gunslinger and Mirakami right. and stuff right. that I didn't catch because I just That's was true. not as invested. And so for me, I was very invested. And when the end hit, it had that big moment for me. So I would think that for other people, it would do the same. If you're not really digging the whole book, I bet the ending's not going to be that much of a... I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Did you, like... The way she wrote the twist and the reveal, it wasn't like a, like, immediate boom, there it is. It, it yeah. took me a minute to go, like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, Did it that, was okay. a little strange. It wasn't the, like, drop moment of, like you didn't and have, here it is. Yeah, right. It was kind of slow released. It was. It was, like, Which is a weird descriptive. choice. Yeah, I don't know if I liked it or or didn't like it. I just noted it. And yeah. I didn't know if you remembered that. I think it served well enough in this book, but it is a weird choice. Like, as a writer, mm-hmm. that's not what you would normally see be done. No, and if you were going to, like adapt this into a movie it It would have to be that's one of the parts a director or screenwriter would have to really puzzle over like okay how am i going to reveal this because to do it in the way that she wrote it i'm not sure it would translate yeah um i did notice that that was interesting mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. strange choice i thought it worked but like i don't think it didn't i just yeah i looked into how jody came up with this idea for leaving time she started oh this is a quote so I started to write Leaving Time when I was in the process of becoming an empty nester. My daughter, Sammy, was headed off to school. I was thinking a lot about how we humans raise our kids to be self-sufficient enough to leave us and how depressing it is for those of us who are left behind. That theme of what happens to people who are left behind became what I wanted to write about. Then I was reading something and learned that in the wild, an elephant mother and daughter stay together their whole lives until one of them dies. Given my frame of mind, it seemed so much more pleasant to do things the way elephants do. I began to dig a bit more about elephants and their reaction to death, and what I uncovered became a metaphor for the novel. That's cool. So it was just interesting to me to learn how these things of motherhood and grief and Mm -hmm. elephants all came together. Because, like, it is doing a lot of things. How did she end up here? It's weird, because the more I talk about it and think about it, even though Serenity was probably my favorite character... I think I would have rather this book just not had the psychic element, almost. And yeah. Like, just focused on what you just described. Because she does draw some some nice parallels between those two worlds. And Would it just be a sweet metaphor rather than a poppy book without the... Probably. That would probably push it more into, like, literary fiction, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah. And yet, we love Serenity as a character. I know, but exactly. Yeah, it, so I feel weird. Like, yeah. I liked that part of the book. I did not like it. I definitely see what you're saying, that that would 
color the book in a different way and, I, and make it a different thing. I could even tell at the end of Alice's chapters, and because I listened to it a good chunk of the time, I didn't always note this, but like at the end of each elephant-centric chapter, she had like this one statement that kind of brought it all together and you're like, and here's the parallel mm -hmm. to my life or to yes. my motherhood journey or to my, you know. It could have gone literary fiction had it just been written a little differently. And I wonder if like, since she's an established popular author if like they were like we got to sell this at the I airport don't know. or maybe she wanted to put the psychic i i don't know yeah i don't know her little explanation does not explain serenity no well and so i listened to the author's note because it was just i was driving and i was yeah. listening and it was rolling and most of the author's note is about elephants and like yeah. what was real and then she lists all these books that she consulted and most of them were elephants. There was one book about psychics. <laughs> and then it was all elephant research. Yeah. So I was like, interesting. This little paragraph from this interview combines how we got to Jenna and Alice and mm -hmm. elephants, but it does not drop in how we got to Serenity. So that's so interesting. Right. I want, yeah, I wonder if that was a conversation with her editor of like, we have to sell this at the airport, Jody. Like, come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, you know, she makes more money than me, so yeah. good on her, girl. <laughs> I do not read Nora Roberts or who John, John Grisham. Grisham. I don't read any of those authors, and I was very skeptical of Jodi Picoult. But I have read four of her books okay, and loved all of them. Oh, good. I'm not okay. sure if I would love every book, but all of them have had staying power with me. You know how I make Hala? Yes. That came from a Jodi Picoult Oh, book. okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And I am anticipating making you read another one, so just as get long ready as for that. It, yeah, I think, I think I was concerned from watching that one movie <laughs> that they're that brand of book that is just man emotionally manipulative. You know? I have also read the book, My Sister's Keeper, and it is not... It's not quite like the movie. Oh, well, sure. I think the movie was very, like, Nicholas Sparksy a little bit. Yes, like that. I should have said him instead of, like, yeah. John Grisham. Her books... Yeah. Her books don't read like that. Oh, at least God. not to me. And that's I, good. I can't stomach Nicholas Sparks. That's good to know. Anyway, that's all I have to say about this book. Um, the Elephant Sanctuary in Hohenwald, Tennessee is a real place, like we said. Yes. Jody visited it to do research for oh, this book. Oh, she did? That's cool. Yeah. And their website is elephants.com. And I did go to it today. And they have an elephant live cam where you can just, like, watch the elephants <laughs> hang out. And oh. so if you just want to waste some time and, like, watch little but baby elephants play. I do not need another way to procrastinate this week. <laughs> elephants.com. Go watch little baby elephants play. And that'll be fun. I'll, you know what? I'm going to show my kids that, though. Yeah. That would be fun. And you can, like, adopt an elephant and give right. donations. And, like, it goes to that particular elephant. It's a sanctuary. It is not a zoo. They have right. many, many, many acres to roam. It's not a tourist thing. And there's lots of resources on their website for um, elephant preservation and to end poaching and stuff like that. So if that's something you're interested in, go to elephants.com. Mm -hmm. Are it. you ready? I'm ready. Tell me why uh, everyone else hates this book. Well, I already mentioned some of them. Um, so here are three from Kathy, Amanda, and Emily. Um, and Kathy starts out, and I did see quite a few that were like, I am a Jodi Picoult fan, but. But. So I don't know, and you've read her more than I, how different this book is from her other books. Okay. I don't know. Okay, from Kathy. I am a Jodi Picoult fan, and, in fact, one of her books is my top ten favorite. When I read that this book was about elephants, I should have left it on the shelf. But when you have a favorite author, you try to go the distance. Not only do I not like or care about elephants, but the subject of psychics just isn't my thing. This book left me feeling slightly crazy. I can't think that leaving time is worth the time for anyone. There were certainly some interesting things that I learned about elephants, but even that seemed repetitious. The whole book is a hoax and I was a fool for reading it. <laughs> it, was a ho it was a hoax? I, what does I don't that know. mean? She went in. Uh, yeah. It was a hoax and I was a fool for reading it. Okay, let's see what Amanda has to say. I found the elephant details in this story interesting, if a little luxury, but the plot about Jenna took Jenna looking for her mother was all over the place and became tedious. I somehow finished it only to be really pissed at the ending. Again! I don't even know what to say. Jodi Picoult has done it to me again with another manipulative bait-and-switch ending. I really have only myself to blame. What kind of masochist reads a book like Handle with Care or My Sister's Keeper, then goes back for more? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like this was kind of how I viewed her yeah. going into yeah. it. So. I see why you picked yeah. this one. Mm -hmm. 
Why do her endings make me angry while other authors twist don't? I'm not sure, but I just feel there is an unspoken contract between author and reader that Jodi Picoult breaks too often. I'm done with her. <laughs> Which, that was interesting. Like, is there a contract between reader and author about twists? I, I have no know. idea. I don't know. I will think on that because yeah. I, I might answer yes. I just need to. But what is it? What I does it know. say? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Emily's was my favorite. Oh, I listened to my mother and I shouldn't have. It's different than her other books. I think you'll like it. It is different. I just hate it in a different way. <laughs> Terrible. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> That's it. I hate it in a different way. Should have never listened to my mother. <laughs> a book about mothers. Yeah. Those were the least spoil it, spoilery I, it, ones I could find. I bet there were some great ones that there spoiled There were so in. many. I had to click and was like... Click to view spoiler. Click to view spoiler. Yeah. I was like, ugh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but I brought up the things I didn't like because that's the point of the podcast. But I did give it three stars. Right. So, you know. It is a book. Like, I would recommend it to people if you like yeah. elephants or psychics or missing moms. <laughs> <laughs> I love a missing mom. Uh, it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to name my top three favorite things, I would say psychics, elephants, and missing moms. Well, this is the book for you. <laughs> Do I have a book for you? Is it a series? Have you looked at no. What? Somewhere I saw it said, like, leaving time number one on either Libby or Goodreads, and I didn't look into I it. I think there's, like, a spinoff about just Serenity. Okay, that's what I was interested in, because I was like, she was my favorite character. Yeah. I would read just about her. I have not read that one. I think I should. Like, I might, for fun. Yeah. When I have time. <laughs> okay. I'm going to look into the book that's yeah. just about Serenity, because I bet she probably got that, like, um, sorry, <laughs> yeah. what the heck is she doing in this book, but also she's my favorite. Yeah. So yeah. she probably got that a lot, and she just decided, you know what? Maybe I will read a Let's whole book go about her. It. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. remember this part but that doesn't mean it wasn't there yeah i really <laughs> hope i'm talking about the correct book uh